0: Uh, let's pray and then we'll get started. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we had to be here this morning. We're grateful, Father, for the, for the power of the word. We're grateful, Father, for the, for the cross. We're grateful for, the, uh, for your son. Uh, we're grateful for this family that meets here. And we pray your blessings upon us as we, as we worship this morning. Father, we pray that our worship will go up to you as a sweet aroma, that you'll be pleased with us this morning. And Father, as we uh, as we eat together and fellowship together, as we uh, as we uh, remember Gary and, and his uh, his legacy, do we remember his life and the impact that he made on so many people? Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, that uh, we know that He's with you, we know that He's in your arms and He's comforted by you by you, and uh, and we look forward to uh, to being with y'all at some point in the future. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to do that. Bless us. As we move forward today, and be with the family as they as they make their way back to their prospective homes. I pray that you keep them safe and keep them in your care and watch over them, Father. Thank you uh, for all that uh, that this day is going to mean to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I told you when we started this that First Peter for me, First and Second Peter is like a survival manual. When you get into into a crunch, when you get into a tight spot, when you get into a uh, a place where uh, where spiritually you're 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 being inundated or physically you're being inundated. First Peter, 2 Peter is a great place to go to remind you of, of what it is that you have at, at your at your hands, at your fingertips. It's a great place to go to say to to remember to re- be reminded of, oh that's why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I have these things, because God loved me and gave me this opportunity. And so for me, it's like a survival manual. Uh, where it tells me how to do certain things and how to live a certain way. And what I have at my disposal uh, that God has blessed me with. Uh, we've looked at He's given us a new hope. He's given me a new life. He's given me salvation. Remember the salvation we talked about that in chapter 1. Salvation that, uh, that, is, uh, uh, that the prophets long to understand. Sometimes, and we talked about this, sometimes we take for granted the salvation we have. We go through motions like robots and we get robotic in our in our in our spiritual walk and it can it can lead us into a bad place right daniel we've been there haven't we and uh, you know and we and we get to that place and we need to know that i have i have a father that loves me i have a father that will accept me back a father that uh, is looking forward to to being with me and has given me all this access and all these wonderments in my life and the prophets wrote about this stuff they didn't understand And it said they longed to understand. They longed to understand the grace that was in them, that was pointing them to the grace that was coming, that we have at our fingertips. And it says even angels long to look at these things. So we have what even angels don't understand. They don't understand the concept of freedom from sin. They don't understand the concept of of salvation, of knowing that that I no longer am afraid of what comes next. I'm no longer afraid of that. And so 1 Peter reminds us of that over and over. Every verse reminds us of that. What kind, of, what kind of access to God do I have? So when you get into a crunch, when you get into a tight place, you know, maybe First Peter is a place you ought to go and just read and just be reminded of what you have. Be reminded of who you're supposed to be. And in, in chapter 2, we're going to be at the end of chapter 2, and it talks about, uh, we looked at, at some last week, and I want, to, I want to go back and look at just a little bit uh, what it says here. Uh, we're going to go back to verse 16, and we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. Uh, and then we'll then we'll move on hopefully hopefully we'll get through the end of the chapter. I don't know if that's true, but we hopefully we will uh we have I have all the good intentions of getting through the chapter, so it'll be up to you all right so it says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, spirit God, honor the emperor okay. Remember, we we talked about last week this that, that people are put in position in a position of power to reward and punish. Now it doesn't mean that they're they're always going to do what they've been put in, in position to do. They sometimes they don't. All right. Uh, and we looked at examples of, of uh, people getting off kilter and Jesus still still trudging along doing what he, he didn't attack the leadership of Rome. He just, he had a mission to do, and we do too, and sometimes we get off track, and we get, we get unfocused, and we get focused on that other stuff, and not focused on what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be changing lives, folks, okay? you are supposed to be changing lives. And he says here, live as free people, do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had that opportunity where you, where you're living as someone free, but, it, but are seen that, experience that in your life? Have you seen that before? Where someone has used their freedom as a cover-up for evil? I had a, a study I was doing one time, and, and there was an individual in my study, and I was trying very diligently to, uh, to teach him the truth. And, uh, and it came up in the afternoon. This was not a, a single study. This was like five or six people in the study that I was studying with. And he said, uh, he said, what church you go to? And I told him, and he said, does so-and-so go there? And I said, yeah, he does. He said, then I'm never coming to your church. I said, okay really and he he said uh, he said because I know what he's like away from the church that's what he's talking about we're free we have been freed from sin we have a responsibility to live a certain kind of life he says do not use your freedom to cover up for evil." where you can go into the world you can't go into the world and do whatever you want there's a responsibility we have to live our lives in a way that God would be pleased with he gave us he gave us this freedom he gave us freedom from sin he gave us Access to him. He gave us a salvation, remember? And we have a responsibility to live as free men. And, and that, will be, that will be inspirational and it'll be calling to, to many people. And then he look at what he said. He lists a couple of things here. And want, we're not going to deal with all of them, but he says, show proper respect to everyone. Treat people with respect. Okay? Treat people with respect. And he said, and he said show proper respect to everyone. love the family of believers. Now I want to take you to a take you to chapter 1 John chapter 2, just the two books over, chapter 2. He said he says in in this text here he said he said, uh, show proper respect and and he said uh, uh, love the family of believers. Okay? Are you always going to be are you always going to do, am I always going to do, are we always going to do lovable stuff? So when I don't do lovable stuff, what's your responsibility? Still love you. Love me anyway, right?
1: I think you should go ahead and tell them. I mean, well, yeah, but that's part of loving. (laughs) That's part of loving. Kind of like with your children. You love them no matter what, but you want to teach them I've been told
0: the right way. And I've been told the wrong one.
1: I understand. No.
0: They both of them get a point across. They're just different points they get across. But in chapter 2 of 1 John, and look at verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. What is the responsibility I have? To love the family of believers. I've been put into a family, Okay have been taken out of the world and placed into a family, a spiritual family. We gather together on the first day of the week, you know, Friday night. There was a whole bunch of people up here Friday night, and they were all up here, a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, young families with a bunch of little kids. Let me tell you something, all right? There was this whole table. There was nothing but kids. This whole table. I was over across the hall trying to conduct my Friday night study. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting. All right. Uh, we got it done. But there, you could tell there was something going on over here. And it was fun to watch and to see these families interacting. I don't know how many families were here. I mean I don't know how many people were here. They had barbecue, they had hamburgers and stuff, and they were just having a, a night with the with the family. And it was it was neat to to see that. You know, see the, the love that is developing not only in those families, but in these little kids. You know, usually on fourth Sunday, what do we do? When we don't have a send-off, a memorial to send off our brother, what do we? What do we usually do? You know what we usually do? We have
1: the kids. We have, we have, a, we have
0: a, a meal like normal, but we also have the little kids come up here and and show you what they've been practicing in their memory work. It make you it makes you cringe, won't it? Yep. They know memory stuff that I ain't no way I'm going to ever remember. You know, I mean, and they can rattle it off, rattle it, and that's a that's you know I love that. That's what's going on in this family of believers, and and it's it's difficult to not fall in love with this. So when he says here, love the family of believers, not always going to go well. Sometimes it's going to. We have a bunch of little kids. You know what's going to happen? Some little kid's going to smack some other little kid. Some other little kid's going to say something derogatory to another little kid, and guess what happens? Then it, then it can cause conflict. It says love the family of believers. I don't always have to agree with the, everything that a family of believers is going to do, but I have to love them. And then look at what he says next. He says in verse, the, in verse 17, he says, Love the family of believers, fear God. Tell me, why is it so important for me to fear God? And, and every time in the Old Testament, every time you see God show up, every time, when He showed up with Moses, when He showed up at the, with the nation of Israel, when He showed up to different you know there was fear involved. You know Elijah went hidden a cave. Okay, went hidden. You know Moses is, is scrambling at this bush that's talking to him and on fire. You know the the, the when when uh when they when they uh I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, I, don't I don't when they when they built the tabernacle when they built it. And they consecrated the tabernacle. People were afraid because God showed up. When Moses, I mean when Solomon built the temple, they're afraid because God just showed up. You know, why is it healthy to fear Him? Tell me why it's healthy to fear Him. We're
1: likely to follow Him if we fear Him. Okay. We're going to make
0: sure we down that and around Somebody got your Bible open? Turn to Proverbs chapter 9. One verse. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Okay, and I and I want you. I want to, somebody to read verse ten. Proverbs chapter nine and verse ten. Read, read that for me. Kale, you got it. The fear oh. of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> read it again, Vic. The fear
1: of the Lord is the beginning of
0: wisdom. Now jump to chapter ten, and look at verse uh, uh, thirty-one.
1: The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, and the perverse time will be cut out.
0: You know, he tells us to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be a how does fear the Lord? Make, go ahead.
1: It's also the beginning of belief. Yeah, because if you don't fear them, then you don't believe what what they're saying or what they say they're going to do is going to okay. it really means anything.
0: Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, in one place it says, "Our God is a consuming fire." Okay. Consuming fire. yes sir. Am I doing right according to myself or am I doing right in the eyes of the Lord? Okay. That's how we need to that's the, the basis of fear of God is that are my actions or am I what and what I am doing right now would God condemn me for it. Okay. You know, it is a is this fear a hiding in the corner, shivering kind of fear? Or is this a respect kind of fear?
1: It's It's a healthy
0: kind of fear. I'm afraid of a a God who can do what he can do and what he's capable of doing. Just look around you guys. Look at the creation and tell me that it doesn't put you in awe. When you look at at what's going on around you and you realize that this God did this, And it's the same God that said, I love you unconditionally. I love you and I love you so much I'm going to show you how much. I'm going to die for you. What I'm going to do, I'm going to die for you. So, you know, part of this, part of this, uh, living in this survival mode, this is telling me this is what you need to do. I've had to love my brethren. I have to show respect to people. I have to be in in submission to those in charge. And he says I have to fear God because God can do things that I can't even begin to imagine. And then he said, and then he said after that he said, and uh, honor of the emperor. And we're not going to go back over this again. This is not. This is not about. You know. This is not about uh, uh, circumventing God's law. There is a. There is a place that God says this is what you're, you're supposed to be obedient to me. And when it comes in conflict, you know, what am I supposed to do? What do I do? I have to follow God. I have to follow. I have to follow the Lord. I have to. I have no choice. Now, I want you to turn. Look at verse 18. Slaves in reverent fear of God. Submit yourself to your master. See what he, he said. It's a reverent fear, in reverent fear of God. Submit yourself to your master. Now, is slavery wrong? When we say slavery is is a, an abomination? Would we say that? When we say that it's not a good thing for someone to be enslaved? Okay, in our culture, not here, but in our <coughs> culture, is it? You know. So, that, how do I take this text? Because we don't deal with slavery anymore. All right, not here we don't, but what how do we what do we let's take it to where okay, you know, how am I gonna respond on the job? How do I respond with somebody in 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 position of authority? How do I deal with them? How do I deal with this? With with, how do I treat them with respect? You know, in submission, I'm just understand the the the. the system of power? Do you believe? Do you have a fear of God? And you take this, he said, in submission, in reverent fear. Look at what he said. Not only to those uh, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourself. It doesn't say submit yourself in reverent fear of the guy in charge. Does it? Not the boss. It says submit yourself in reverent fear to God. Because this is what God calls us to. So do you get a sense of God's calling us to be... A different kind of person maybe you witness in the world than what we used to be can't be like that anymore? I have a responsibility to set myself into a different position? You know, why is it so important? Well, look at what he says. He's going to continue on. Look at what he said. He said, Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, is this not commendable for God? To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his step. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. Okay. And then he goes on, and we'll talk about that in just a second. What is he telling me here? What's he telling me? If I if I look at this and, and apply this principle to the job position, if you, if you just apply it, to the, that this principle to your relationship with leadership in the church. Okay? Yep. Am I always looking for something they're doing wrong? Or am I looking for some way where I can adjust myself under them and make their life easier?
1: Yes.
0: Yes. I have a responsibility to be in submission, to sub, to, to respect them, to sub, be in, to adjust my life. Now, i got a couple of questions here I want to ask. You. Okay. Have you ever endured suffering doing something good. Have you ever been, have you ever been, had to suffer at the hands of someone else for doing something right?
1: No good deed goes unpunished.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want an example. Somebody give me an example <laughs> that I have had to struggle through this because, you know, and I and I did the right thing. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. I don't
1: know if this will be you but last weekend, I have a niece that's smart. She's in the military, has a master's degree, and she has PTSD. It's so bad that her daddy can't handle her. And she's fifty-two, so I have to go, and it it hurts like heck to go and get um, medical, a mental medical warrant for her to be picked up and taken to a. Okay.
0: All right, that, so, that, I
1: somebody, L- Larry. Yeah, it's been years, years ago, but we had a, a couple in that a church that were involved in sin, mm-hmm. and confronted them with that, and uh, they were real popular in the church. I mean, was mm-hmm. really interacted with everybody really well, but they kind of turned that on us. And, of course, my job is to stay silent about it. I've I've done my job. I've gone to them and talked to them. They admitted that what we had thought was true. But yet we suffered for our silence. And, uh, yeah, it was hard. Yeah. But you just got to, you just you just suck it up. and, and, And our thought was, hey, you know me. You've known me for years. You think I would do something that was really that far out Yeah. And of course, you know, that's and people have to come work through that too. Yeah. It's but, well, but it hurt. You know, it hurt. For
0: those of you online if you couldn't hear him, you know he's talking about when you have to discipline someone in church. When you have to discipline someone, they've done something you're not supposed to, they're not supposed to do and you have to go and in love go confront them. And many times it doesn't go well. Many times they it that it will turn on you. And you've done the right thing, you've done what God said to do, you've done it in love, you've done it the right, you know, and and you you suffer anyway because now, because they were popular, people could never believe that they've done what they've done, never believe what they've been accused of doing, even though you have all the, what, you can't say that, you can't take it and lay it before the, the, uh, the people and say, hey, unless they absolutely, and then you take it for the church. Yeah. The, the, but that's last resort. That's the last thing before, before it goes any farther. You know, I mean... I am I'm, I'm gonna talk about Gary and Marilyn. Okay. Gary and Marilyn went to and I don't remember what the restaurant was, they went to a restaurant, they told me this themselves, all right? They went to a restaurant and they always prayed before they ate. Okay. And they did the prayer and somebody at another table criticized them and chastised them for doing this prayer. You know? And I'm going, Really? I've never had anything but positive when we've done that. Somebody's walk up and say thank you so. I had somebody do that a, a year or so ago. Came up and said, "Man, thank you so much." You know, and and uh, but they were they were criticized. You know, they were they were put upon, and and it hurt them. It hurt them not because they. It hurt them because of the, the people. They they felt. Yeah, you, you know Gary and Marilyn. They, they wanted desperately for them those people to understand what they knew and it wasn't possible for them to teach them because they were so adamant about not wanting to watch that nonsense in front of in front of them you know and i'm going that's doing good and suffering for it anyway you know when i became a christian uh my family turned on me and, and you know i'm, I'm not going to get baldy but they turned on me and the only family i ended up with was here because they all of them turned on me I did the right thing. I could not teach them. They would not listen to me. My life was better. Wasn't doing the same things I was doing before. Didn't do all the nonsense I was doing before. But yet, and then at my mother's funeral, my dad looked me in the face and said, you know, your mother never forgave you for what you did. And I, said, I "And that's 15, 20 years after the fact that I converted, left her church, came and followed God, and, and so 20 years later, I'm looking at him in the face, and he's going, she never forgave what she did. We're fixing to put her on the ground, man. And that's what she told me? And and the suffering turned all over again. It didn't go away. And I struggled with it for a long time because, because it never went away. You know, so you know when you do the right thing, people are not going to appreciate what you do sometimes. And they're going to turn on you sometimes. And and our example, what what is the example of it? And so, you know, I got the, uh, oh I, here's a quick, did you want to retaliate? Man, I tell you what, I want I wanted to clean my mother's cloth. I did. I wanted to I wanted to clean her up. And I couldn't. The only way I could do that was was by by teaching her some text and letting God clean her up. Mm-hmm. And she would come at me with, with stuff that wasn't true, wasn't biblical, and I knew it wasn't biblical. And I told her, I said, I'd really like for you to find that because I'd really like to see that for myself. Because I've never seen that before. But you see, there's a way to handle How did Jesus handle it? Look at what he said. Look at what he says here. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and, and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay? When Jesus, when Jesus is confronted for doing the right thing and is going to suffer for it, what does he do? What does he do? Bears it. Bears it. Why? Why does he bear up under it? Why? He's a he's a he's a man. He's got feelings. He's got he's got pain. He's going to suffer pain. Why does he do that? Why does he why does he bear up under it? To set us an example.
1: He knew it was God's will.
0: It tells us it tells, tells both because he turned them over to the one who judges justly. All right. He knew who was in charge. He wasn't. He knew that the Father was going to take care of this, and he knew that we needed him to do this. Okay. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, in the last couple of verses, it says that all those people before, all those people who lived under the old law, and Hebrews is all about the contrasting the, the old system with, with Jesus, and Jesus being the, the, the real deal. And, and it, says, it says that only together with us could they be made perfect. They were going to be made perfect through the blood of Christ, but if Christ's blood isn't shed on that cross, then they don't get salvation, and neither do we. And so, when I focus on that, when I focus on on the on that thing in my life, you know, if I focus on on what it is that that God has in plan, has planned for me, does He have good things planned for you? Do you believe that? We promise that. We promise that. Okay. So when when uh when He says here uh that Jesus turned turned it over to the one who judges justly, all right. You believe in God? Believe in Him? You believe that He that He cares about you? You believe that He loves you? You believe that He is connected to you through the Spirit? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He understands what you're going through? Do you believe that? You believe He knows what you're going through? Do you believe? You believe that? So, you know, you've got kids. When when uh, one of them is struggling or hurting or been hurt or whatever, how do you feel? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. You want to help? Them out. Okay. You want to retaliate? Retaliate? Yeah.
1: Uh, no. No.
0: Somebody no. else has hurt them. Somebody else has hurt Did them. You yeah. Yes. All right. Let's we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to admit it?
1: <laughs>
0: well, okay. We, we had a we actually had a, a situation uh, this past Wednesday. Eleanor got got hurt mm-hmm. prior to class. And one of her earrings got uh, busted. Uh, it's an accident. It? you still have that urge, you're like, mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta be like, No, she's fine. Yeah. She'll get she'll yeah. she'll be better about it. But as a father, yeah. that that instinct is, I want to protect my children. Absolutely. You think God's not any different than that?
1: Yeah.
0: You think yeah. he's not any different? Or is he better at it than we are? He's
1: better it <laughs>
0: You know, he understands, he looks around where he's at, and he sees what's available for us, and what we're coming to, and what we have to deal with, and Jesus is right there, the high priest that knows what we're going through, and he tells, he can tell him the Holy Spirit is with us, and he can tell him what's going, to, and, to go that point, I mean, when it's your children, you know, you show preference to, we have to understand that we're all, God's. we are his children, God. he has taken us out of the world, and put us into his body, his body, the church, So, when we gather together, we're His children. We're a family of believers. That's what He just said. Love the family of believers, right? We have a response. So, when when that stuff goes on in my life, when things go amiss in my life, is God the first one I usually think about? Uh, Maybe not. Am I... Please go like this. That I'm not the only one. Sometimes... You know, that anger that just for a moment comes up. You may it may not do anything with it, but just for that moment. You know, how do you think how do you think God, the father, felt when he watched his son be butchered on a cross? How do you think he felt? He Turns his back on it, didn't he? You know, I mean, they, they knew what needed to happen. They knew what was going on. Jesus knew when he's on that cross that he was he was there for a reason. Do you realize that you're here for a reason? That you've got you can't you can't save people's lives. You can't you can't go on a cross and save people's lives. But you can bring them to the one who can. And one thing I always remember, and I'm going to talk about this this morning when I get when I do the thing. I I, I told me I got like a minute.
1: <laughs>
0: it's getting shorter.
1: <laughs> it's getting, it was it's it's two minutes. It was two minutes. I'm trying to.
0: I'm trying to get it in my head. You know. damn, two minutes. Two minutes. Two. <laughs> okay. You, you can Yeah, yeah, yeah we right. we
1: Only down.
0: got ninety <laughs> seconds. <laughs> you know yeah, it, we start it's it's up a fingers a and stuff. Yeah. Go. did that to me one time.
1: Georgia. I can yep. see that. She's yep. a good
0: She went like this, she went.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, they're fortunate. And uh, and I and I got a little long winded and she went. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love Georgia.
0: Yeah. I, I know y'all do. Yeah. It, but you know, it, it's it is a, uh, there is there's there's so much yeah, I, I had this in my head that I was going to say, and I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to say it. I'll wait till later to say it. Okay, I'll wait until I'll wait till, I, I'll wait till I was there to say it. But uh, you know, it's we have we have that that responsibility to remember who's died for us. What does it mean that God died for us, and what is my responsibility? How do I live in this pagan world? How do I live in a world that's inundated with evil? If I don't have a relationship with you and with God. I'm done. So are you. We're done. I have a responsibility. Yes, You never
1: promised it would be easy. That's what we have to remember. I think we think when we become Christians, it's easy. They say we get our little kids raised. Well,
0: we we deal with when you deal with people today, when you study with them, they have that concept because that's what they've been inundated with. That everything is peachy keen. Everything will be fine. If you come to Christ, everything's gonna be good, God's gonna bless you with with all this all this wonderment. And everything, and they never talk about that. This is that Jesus talked about said, if they did this to me, what do you think they're gonna to do to you? If I suffered, what do you think gonna happen to you? You're gonna suffer, and you think what we're doing now, what's going on now, is bad? You just wait, buckle up, man, because it ain't gonna get no better. It's not, it's gonna get worse. It will get worse, and if it does, then who are they gonna come after at some point? Who do you think they're gonna come after? Who do you think? They can't stand the word and they can't stand God and they can't stand Jesus. Who do you think they are gonna come after? Especially now that we put this stuff out online all the time. Because Cole has no fear. He'll say anything. He don't care. He don't care. You know, he, he said, let him respond. That'd be great. Yes, sir. Who did Jesus tell us to love
1: the sermon about?
0: Yeah. Our enemies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That means we're going to have enemies. Yes, yeah, we are. And and Jesus left us an example how we're supposed to live this life. That when they when they did he didn't retaliate, he didn't throw back insult them. Could he, he when when Peter cuts off Malchus's ear, what does he say? Don't you know I could call what? Legions, Legions of angels. I don't know how many it would take. How many angels just planted, you know, because it says in Second Thessalonians chapter one that when Jesus comes back and come back in blazing flaming fire with his powerful angels, to take vengeance on those that do not know God and those that have not obeyed the gospel. I have no idea what that's going to look like but it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. When he turns them loose, it's going to be awful. And and you know, and I'm looking at this and saying, you know, those angels long to understand what I have. And I have something unique. I have the opportunity to be a Christian every day of my life and I have a responsibility to to treat this world with with respect no matter what they do and strive to turn them as much as I can. And that's one of the that's one of the memories I have of Gary and Maryland that I'm going to talk. You well, know, one of the things I'm going to, I'm going to say this morning that I have two early memories of them. Early memories. First thing that I ever remember, and that's what I want to talk about. One of them is that very thing. Okay. Well, you
1: got one minute for
0: each. No, it, it's gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be done quick because I'm not going to explain it all. I'm just going to tell. Them, this is what I saw. This is what impact it made to me as a young Christian. Okay. This I will tell you. Because I'm not going to tell them. I did have an interaction with Gary way back in the day when I was still doing drugs and, and doing all that all that negative stuff. And Gary and one of his sons, I don't know which one it was, came to where I worked. Didn't know him. Didn't know him from Adam. Didn't know who he was. I was so steeped in myself, didn't care. And I don't remember what happened. And a, two or three, four years later, I become a Christian, and I walk in, and who do you think I see? And my first instinct was, why didn't you tell me something? That was my first thought. Why didn't you tell me something? Why didn't you grab me by the neck, then? Really? Because if he'd have grabbed me by the neck. He 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 would, would, not have a good, would not have been good you to would grab have me by the, the you neck. Know, I I wouldn't I I didn't want to hear none of that stuff. I would yeah. I would have been really? very extremely ugly to him. And God knew that. He did all of his teaching with me afterwards. Afterwards. Guys we're gonna we're gonna tie it up. You know, these ladies need to get in here and start working in here, so I told them I'm going to quit early. Uh, so, you know, I can't do two minutes. Watch. <laughs> guys, we're going to pick it up in Chapter 3 next week. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks for watching. Please tune in next week, and we'll pick this up from Chapter 3. Hey.